And I think most people still think that the, you know, the, the overall outlook of the real estate market is fairly ominous, but it seems based on those numbers that it is still growing. It's still consistently growing year over year, at least from last January. Uh, but I think, as they said at the beginning of the article, I think there is more confidence now in buyers. I think with the the you know expectation that there will be rate drops, people even when I talk to people like, oh, well, rates are definitely dropping this year, right? It's like, well, no, mm-hmm. not for sure. You know, like everyone everyone has kind of just assumed now that they're coming down for sure. So everyone's kind of acting in that manner. And I mean, there's still a strong expectation, but as we've seen the fixed rates, you know, some lenders even increased the last week. You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate today. Hello and welcome to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast, your ultimate destination for all things related to the dynamic real estate market in Ottawa. I'm your host, Paul Stevenson, and I'm joined by my esteemed colleague and co-host, David Warren. Unfortunately, Greg Campbell won't be joining us today, but rest assured, We'll continue to bring you insightful discussions, expert analysis, and valuable insights into the Canadian and Ottawa real estate landscape. Whether you're a seasoned investor, a first-time homebuyer, or simply curious about the market trends, you've come to the right place. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into the world of real estate on this family day, 2024. Wow. I I, I never even know what to say after those intros anymore. Like. They switch up every week. GPT, just, you know, it's just There's so always good. one part that is just so funny. Like Greg Campbell won't be joining us today, but rest assured, we'll continue to bring you Rest in assured, these guys are not completely useless. Yeah, without Greg, <laughs> we can still survive. So rest assured. Uh, how was the week? How was the weekend, David? Week was good. I'm trying to, it's kind of a blur. I'm trying to think of even what happened last week. This weekend has been good. Obviously, it's family day today. So at the office, nice and quiet here, which is nice. I can <laughs> pump out some stuff over without being distracted, which is nice. But uh, yeah, no, overall, it was good. I know last week, at least in Ottawa here, there was, you know, some mortgage, you know, there's a mortgage conference and some lenders doing some, some things and, and, and whatnot. So I'm trying to rack my brain around what the heck last week even was kind of seemed to well, fly by. I don't know about, yeah, yours. I don't I know about was, yourself, but yeah, I actually went to the symposium, the mortgage professionals Canada's kind of a countrywide tour mortgage symposium, kind of city to city and Ottawa's always their first stop. So it was very good, very interesting to see just to kind of be in a room full of agents. Like it's, you know, there was 200 agents there, which is great. Obviously all sorts of lenders and, you know, tech companies and things like that. So some really insightful information, I would say. One, there was a speaker from FISRA, which was interesting, just talking about, you know, number of licensed agents and a uh, number of, you know, mortgage originations and and so on. The thing I found most interesting, they had a full section on AI and, and the different tools available for, for agents and, and for non-agents, like just in general, what's coming, which is always, you know, uh, I know Greg, Greg, Greg and I are, are always very hip to the no, David, hey, with the AI. <laughs> But and yeah, I'm very no. slow behind. I, I I bring something up between you guys. You're like, yeah, that that's that's from 12 months ago. You, you Neanderthal. Of, you guys heard of this <laughs> Chat GPT? Eh? You you guys heard rumbles of this Bitcoin? Do you know what that is? Eh? <laughs> yeah, no. So it was really good. The the one thing I took away there was a few really interesting lenders that I hadn't met. There was a new construction lender, which in Ottawa, you know, is very few and far between. It's basically two. One of which isn't lending money right now. So there's basically one. Mm-hmm construction financier. Mm. So this is the second one based out of Toronto, kind of coming to Ottawa, talked to them for a while, seemed really good. 
And then the second one was actually a, a rent to own company, which I know you and I talked about afterwards. So rent to owns, I think when we first got into brokering, like 2013, we got a lot of questions about rent to own. It seemed like it was mm. more common. And maybe that's just because we were inexperienced and those are the files we were getting. But <laughs> but it felt like a lot of people were asking questions about rent to own. And then it came got to a point where nobody was doing it anymore. Like we just couldn't even mm. find a lender that was doing rent to own. Now it seems that this lender, JAG, J-A-A-G, they kind of have an interesting model about rent to own. They were talking to me about how they do that. I, I just found it kind of refreshing because, you know, there's a lot of people right now that maybe have cash, but because of COVID or because of other issues, maybe have some current credit issues or, you know, there's still, you still have to put skin in the game. A lot of people think rent to own, oh, I can just start paying 2000 a month and then, you know, three, three years from now buy a house. No, like you have to have, you know, you have to have some skin in the game. You have to put a down payment. You just agreed upon prices. There's a whole process. But I just found it kind of refreshing to see that there's still lenders thinking outside the box, especially with, you know, we need people to be able to find homes, especially people that, you know, we're, as we said, we've talked about immigration a lot, but a lot of new Canadians that need to find homes. So anything that can, I think, help people get to a point of reaching their goal of owning a home, if that's the goal, I mm -hmm. think it's of value, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Especially, you know, as we talk about housing affordability, you know, prices continuing to go up, rents continue to go up, et cetera. Some of those alternative options like the rent to own programs i you know personally i'm not like big on them just because of the way that those in the past have done them and those types of companies or investors uh, have done them not with good intentions i found like you know a decade ago like you're mentioning so i'd be interested to you know revisit it more but really at the end of the day lenders being more creative and and talking about different ways in which people can get into a home because like you said saving for a down payment is is very hard, you know, and, and not everyone has the bank of mom and dad to, to dip into. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, some of those programs can be, can be good to help kind of bridge that gap. There was, you know, on the, on the house front, I mean, there was, uh, I was at a, a lender panel on Wednesday. I was a part of one and Canada Guarantee was talking about the housing shortage at CMHC released the numbers of within Canada by 2030 that the number has grown from what the initial numbers were to now they're estimating. I think it's three million and by 2030 that they're that CMHC is predicting that will be short. But the figure that this kind of that Canada Guarantee was focusing on is that a million and a half of those housing the the units short are going to be in Ontario alone. So of the 3 million, 50% of them, they're predicting based on the growth of, of population of the province, that, that Ontario will be short a million and a half homes by 2030, which, you know, sounds like a, a long time, but it's only six years away. And a million and a half homes is a lot of friggin' homes. And when you look at, when you look at cities and you look at Ontario as a whole, really, you've got the, you know. Golden Horseshoe and then GTA and those surrounding. And then you've got Ottawa as really the, you know, those are the, within Ontario, those are the primary spots that people are, are gravitating towards. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that's targeted. You know, you've got a crown corporation of CMHC highlighting this and continues to highlight it. And that number continuing to get worse, you know, so, you know, and I, you know, I think last month in, in January, December, like starts build starts were down 10% roughly. So to your point about the rent to own, I, I kind of go off on that tangent a little bit more so of like, you know, the, the need for creative financing in some of these or programs where, you know, for those borrowers to get in sooner rather than later, especially with that projected shortage of, of units and, 
um, number of people coming to the province and and to Canada, you know, getting if if you don't have that down payment, finding a way in, in which you can strategically get into a home is is huge. Yeah, we we talked about last week. I think it was CIBC. We pulled up an article. CIBC was saying they the new estimate they had was five million, and we actually looked at five million. Was, sorry, yes, yeah, and it, we looked at that there was currently I think it was like fourteen and change, fourteen and fourteen million and change homes currently in Canada. So basically. They have to build a third of all of the homes in Canada in the next six years, which we kind mm-hmm. of laughed at. But here, when we read that last week, it was like mind blowing because it's insane. Like, you know, of 40,000 people, I said that's like, you know, 15% of the population in houses. Like, it's not even like, you know. Yeah. And, and that's for affordability. Like, you know, keeping in mind that mm-hmm. when we say like shortage, it's not that you're going to have. 6,000 people living on the street. However, that, that, yeah. you know, that does increase homelessness and, and houselessness that of, you know, the, the, the less affordable rent becomes and the less affordable it is to purchase a home. The unfortunate side of that is that people don't have any other options, but that's, that's kind of in the realm of bringing parity back and affordability and slowing it down. But yeah, it's certainly, there, there's certainly huge numbers and, and I, and hopefully, these accelerator funds and and like you guys were, you know, kind of the amounts being allocated to this, to the cities for, you know, to kind of speed up the build, you know, build process. Hopefully they, Mm -hmm. they do spur some of these developments to kind of kickstart. But if it's anything like for the start of the, of 2024 and and already being 10% down, that's only, (laughs) that's only going to get worse as the year goes on and be behind, you know, really behind the eight ball. Yeah. And another article I was reading this morning talking about the sales in January are actually up. So it says January marked the second straight month of higher home sales in Canada, which are now up 22% from a year ago. So this all comes into play, right? Like this isn't just, we're not just, this housing shortage isn't just like, oh, Johnny needs a home. Let's find one for him. It's actually mm-hmm. like homes are also selling and then it creates less supply, which then creates an mm-hmm. even further need for new homes, right? So it says economists are attributing the increased sales activity to favorable weather in many parts of the country and improving buyer sentiment at the prospect of Bank of Canada rates, rate cuts later this year. Home sales in January were up 3.7% from December, which follows December's 7.9% month-over-month gain. According to the data from the Canada Real Estate Association, Korea, despite the gains, however, Korea noted that sales activity remains roughly 9% below the 10-year average. So there's actually a chart in here that shows the cross-country roundup of home prices. I think Stephen had it up there a bit earlier, but it shows based January 2023 and January 2024, the actual price change. So it says, here's a look at select provincial and municipal average home prices as of January. So BC, it looks like had the highest, oh no, actually didn't, Alberta, 12.4% increase from last January. BC was 10.8%, Ontario, 2.9%. Quebec, 9.4, Manitoba, 10%, New Brunswick, 7.3, and then it goes into actual municipalities. So Ottawa, as an example, is up 3.2% from last January. The only decline in the whole chart where there's probably 20 to 25 provinces and cities is, where was it? I just saw it. Barry. Yeah, well, Greater Toronto, it says, was was down 0.4, so 0.4%. So it was a million seventy thousand six hundred. It's now a million sixty five thousand eight hundred. So like fractional difference. And Barry, you're right. Barry was down zero point six from seven seventy one to seven sixty six. So again, very nominal changes. Now those have probably recovered as well. Like I think if we'd looked at that probably in 
you know, October, November, December, they probably would have looked a little more dreary compared to January, mm -hmm. but there has been a bit of a rebound December, January. So it'd be interesting to see where that trends. But I think the general sentiment is that things are, you know, negative right now. I think most people still think that the, you know, the, the overall outlook of the real estate market is fairly ominous, but it seems based on those numbers that it is still growing. It's still consistently growing year over year, at least from last January. Uh, but I think, as they said at the beginning of the article, I think there is more confidence now in buyers. I think with the the you know expectation that there will be rate drops, people even when I talk to people like, oh, well, rates are definitely dropping this year, right? It's like, well, no, not mm -hmm. for sure. You know, like everyone everyone has kind of just assumed now that they're coming down for sure. So everyone's kind of acting in that manner. And I mean, there's still a strong expectation, but as we've seen, the fixed rates, you know, some lenders even increased them last week slightly. So yeah, anything, anything, anything can still happen, right? It, Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I think as long as the you know Canada's economy has been kind of has been in the in the in the dumps the last you know several quarters, but the U.S. keeps thriving, and I know we touched on it um, a few weeks ago, but that's really what's been propping up our bond, our bonds, yeah. and and keeping fixed rates elevated. We are so closely tied to the U.S., and the U.S. economy is absolutely thriving. You know they're in you know inflation is not even just sticky it's it's even increasing their unemployment rate is dropping like they keep adding record numbers and and what the consensus expectation is in the US for for figures they keep blowing past that and and it keeps that's what's keeping the bond the Canadian bonds up because it's keeping the US treasury T bills up and and we're seeing that impact but our economy you know is is not thriving we're at a we're at a a, you know, a, a negative and a, a 0% growth and a negative growth in GDP when our population has been growing at, you know, over 3%. So, you know, with, you know, really we would be if the population was not growing and there was an international injection of cash with these new to Canada, the immigration that we would be drastically down and, and drastically negative. But so there is a little bit of a, you know, kind of confusion, if you will, that, you know, we're, we're inflation or, or numbers are being propped up or the bonds are being propped up. But really that's because of the U.S. economy that we're not seeing that drop in, in rates. And that's what is only going to contribute to the U.S. or the Canadian Bank of Canada dropping the policy rate, like overnight rate to the delay could just be because the U.S. is so strong that the U.S. feds can't move their, their lending rates. Because if they, you know, if we, if we act too quickly, then our, then our dollar gets impacted. And that really, you know, kind of has a snowball effect within the economy as well, if there's too much spread there. So it's, you know, I know that there's all the banks and even this week, economists are still talking about and expecting a mid-year drop and and by the bank Canada. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of how the, how it kind of rolls out. And then as that expectation, like you were saying, of that rate drop, of how many people get back, you know, are coming back to the market, you know, under that expectation and, and, you know, setting closing dates four months out, whatever it may be kind of around that time frame. But it's, yeah, it's really interesting. I know I've been having, and I mentioned it a few weeks ago, like the amount of renewal conversations that I've been having because people are, you know, payments coming up, they're up for renewal. They're in the low threes, you know, mid threes, high twos, and their rates for renewal are around 5%, mm -hmm. you know, low fives that it's a, a big jump in payments. So it's always like that budget conversation. What's your, 
what's your monthly budget? What's your, you know, and I, I find that that's, you know, in those conversations, it's all like, well, you know, we can lock in right now, but let's, let's just wait to see what the Bank of Canada does. And maybe I'll go back to, maybe I'll, I'll switch to variable. And there's a lot, a lot of those conversations, which I think is indicative of how the overall market thinks for those home buyers that are sitting on the sideline as well. Yeah, we talked about it last week, the, the going back to the numbers, like the US numbers and so on, even those, like the employment numbers that came out in January, like they seem super favorable. And I'm sorry for everyone who listened last week, but they seem super favorable. But when we broke it down, there was, you know, I think net 33,000 new jobs created. And of that, 44,000 were part-time mm. and it was 11,000 full-time job lost. So, you know, mm -hmm. we lost 11,000 full-time jobs and for whatever it was, 40,000 40, part-time jobs were created. So it looks like, oh, great, there's 33,000 new jobs created. Like the job market's super strong. Mm -hmm. But those 33,000 jobs are probably, you know, 10 hours a week, 15 hours a week, like mm -hmm. just odd jobs that people are doing. It might even be like Uber, Uber Eats, things like that. People that are just trying to stay afloat after losing their full-time job. You know, it's not, I, I think, it's not like an I think they're mostly government. Jobs. I think they they're are, mostly, yeah. I believe they're mostly government positions. They weren't public sector and, and yeah. government positions You're don't right. contribute to GDP and they don't actually, you know, they're base, they're paid by taxpayer dollars. So it's not actually, it's actually impacted the economy even more so because yeah. those are jobs that you need those public sector or private sector jobs for those taxes in order to pay those public sector jobs. So yeah, I thought that was interesting as well. Like as far as the numbers are concerned, it's kind of like a, a false sense of hope or narrative as far as how what how the economy is doing yeah like it's that's what i mean like the headline like thirty three thousand new jobs everybody's like wow like you know a lot mm -hmm. of jobs being created and that's really as far as most people get right it's like okay well let's break that down a little like one step just one step further and then it changes the whole outlook the whole perspective of that headline you know another another article i was reading this morning dave we talked about it quickly before we came on but it says mortgage payments hit consumer stocks so they're noticing that people you know canadians are obviously more indebted and they're prioritizing mortgage payments. Mortgage payment always comes first, as we we talk about all the time. You know, it's mortgage payments and it's your, you know, groceries, car payments, things like that. Like, but mortgage is always at the top of that list. So I'll, I'll give you a little snippet of this. So it says, the delay in rate cuts from the Bank of Canada has impacted consumer stocks as Canadians with high debt place mortgage payments as a priority over non-essentials. Philip Peterson, the chief investment strategist for IG Wealth Management, stated that the main equity index in Canada will struggle should investors believe that the central bank will delay rate cuts. I'm sure they've seen it already. Following U.S. inflation data being hotter than initially expected, traders have shown pessimism that the central bank will um, that the central bank will lower borrowing costs in the first half of 2024, which will potentially cause headwinds of banks, utilities, and rate-sensitive heavyweights in the market. If interest rates are pushed off, then the upside of those stocks gets pushed off as well. Uh, it says, notably, shares from Canadian Tire Corp, a big box retailer, fell after the firm reported earnings of $3.38 per share for Q4, which was far from forecast. Uh, Greg Hicks, Canadian Tire CEO, stated that the uncertainty surrounding interest rates has resulted in its management adjusting operations following weakening demand for discretionary items compared to essential goods. If the intent of restrictive monetary policy was to curb consumer demand and slow the economy, we would certainly say the policy strategy is working. Mm -hmm. Thought that was relevant because I mean every week we're talking about about you know the rate cuts and so on, but it does it doesn't just impact mortgage holders; it impacts mm. everyone, like everyone who has any sort of debt that is on a revolving portion, and that's a lot of businesses have 
you know, business lines of credit or, you know, people with different car loans and things like that. All of these things are impacted by these high rates. And the longer the rates stay high, the more and more and more challenging it becomes as those payments stay high. You know, people can weather the storm for so long, but then eventually, as I said, like people are no longer going to go to Canadian Tire and spend that extra $200 or whatever it is. They're going to save it or put it towards something else, right? And that's what they're saying. It's not going to stocks or even investments. It's going towards essentials. Mm -hmm. I, I think Canadian Tire is, an, is like a good, I find them a good store uh, and a good retailer to kind of focus on and the reason being is that it they they cover so many different industries and sectors yeah as far as like what products they sell everything from uh automotive parts and and yeah. you know just gadgets to your home cleaning and home decor to like your kids toys to you know they've got party cities in there now so like your party decor yeah, yeah. like they have, they cover every wide ranging area well, they own, of they own sports too. no no yeah yeah, yeah. so you so you know they but within, yeah, and sporting goods and all that. So you're seeing, like, I find Canadian Tire of looking at their retail numbers is a really good indication of where the overall market is. And I think that's probably why they had them in this in this article was just because of that. And and I remember months ago, I, I my sister-in-law works at Canadian Tire head office and, and she'd mentioned what their store sales were down and it was like 20, down 20% on Thursdays, because I guess they're, wow. they're like week over week, they'd been down on, I guess, Thursdays when they're, when their flyer comes out. And so that's oh. usually their biggest sales day. And, and it was down drastically and that they'd been seeing. And so kind of hearing that they missed expectation significantly is, I think is, you know, obviously important news as retail numbers kind of come out. Um, yeah. And continue and to the hope for is, December. And I'm sure this is happening, but people like i think his name was hicks right is that, that was his mm. name? Yeah, said hicks like these sorts of people you would hope that also you know, governments meeting with these obviously these president ceos of these companies just to, to have these conversations right like if we're hearing it they're obviously hearing it too so hopefully this will you know this is giving like a true testament of what's happening in the market right not just headlines not just hearsay mm. like this is actually like here is here is what companies are actually seeing from a like dollars and cents standpoint on their revenues. And like you said, I think you're right. Canadian Tire is probably the best retailer and in, in can't even Walmart. I mean, it's an American brand and they don't sell as robust the items, I would say, that, that Canadian Tire does from a holistic standpoint, like you said, like automotive and, and everything else as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that rolls out. And then as the, you know, as the year goes on, I can't believe it's almost already we're in the latter half of February already, which is yeah. pretty crazy. But, you know, so they, that spring, like Easter is early this year. I think it's like the first weekend, like, or like the first of April or something like that, which is kind of that jumping into spring. So I'm interested to see over the next month, month and a half of how people's sentiment continues whether you know negatively or positively as we roll into spring not only just in the housing market but just in you know as uh the year kind of progresses for companies whether there be additional layoffs like we've seen from different companies you know today i was reading you know even blackberry within you know obviously they're not they're not retail or anything like that but they announced you know another 200 people layoff at, at blackberry as they've you know as they shrink mm. and they're cyber they focus on cybersecurity and, and tech and things like that so I, I think as the year goes on and, and as we reach easter like how that sentiment from companies changes like as you know if 
if they're not seeing any relief on the horizon from the Bank of Canada in like midway through the year, like how that's going to impact those companies' decisions. Like you said, you know, business lines of credit and things like that are impacted. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, from the REIT, from the individual, how they're how they're, you know, kind of see things because the longer, like you said, savings only go so far and they get depleted. And then you've got, you know, then they're into their lines of credit, which are bumped up and student loans are, are that much higher because they're tied to, to prime and things like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see how this, this kind of plays out as we, we roll into 2024, because the expectation from all economists, banks, and even the public, like you, you said, is, is that it's midway through the year that Bank of Canada is going to start decreasing. So, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, even also, Hopeful. I think, yeah, like you said, I think we're going to see the fallout of that. Like, I think like even Bell Media had a whole bunch of layoffs after just receiving additional government funding and, and kind of grants to, to kind of save those jobs. So that's, that was disappointing to see. And I think we're going to see more and more of that as, as we see the shakeout. So, you know, that 33, again, going back to that 33,000 new jobs created, well, yeah, is it, you know, it's very optically looks great, but if you read even one line further, it's it's a completely different story. So one last thing I wanted to touch on was the uh, Canada's average rent hit a new record high in January, which I think is very relevant, especially for people, as we said, talking about immigration, like people that aren't buying homes, this is mm -hmm. the numbers they're looking at. So it says the average asking rent in Canada continued to creep higher in January, reaching a new record high of nearly 2,200. Average rent prices were up another 0.8 month over month, resulting in an annual gain of 10%. According to the latest report from rentals.ca, going back to pre-COVID levels, rents are now up to up by 20% or an average of $373 a month. Among different property types, purpose-built rental apartments saw the sharpest rise in prices with asking rents up 13.5% over the past year to an average of $2,107 per month. In contrast, house rental prices were up 5.6% to $2,352 and cond condominium rentals saw a 4.1% increase to 2,372. It says an underlying narrative has emerged between softening rents in inexpensive markets and strengthening rents in more affordable markets, says Sean Hildebrand, president of Urbanation and co-author of the report. These shifts in demand are symptomatic of a worsening supply situation for rentals in Canada. There you have it. That's it. The last line is probably the, the most obvious and the, probably the most accurate. Yeah, it's really, it's really a shame as to how high rents have gotten mm -hmm. and you know, obviously that's a, it's a, you've got when mortgage, mortgage rates are so high, really, you know, for those individual investors, whether it's, or even the larger investors, like the bigger companies, like the CLVs, et cetera, when their costs of borrowing are, are that much higher, that, you know, that's going to drive up those prices. I'm interested to see in the coming year as well. And I keep saying interested to see, but Toronto just uh, announced that they uh, for their property tax increases, I think it's nine and a half percent over last year is their property tax increase. You know, that's, that, that's wild. The initial number was 16%. It's been scaled back to nine and a half. Toronto being one of the largest markets, obviously, or the largest city rather in, in Canada and where a lot of the new immigration, you know, kind of influx is focused on. And so that's going to obviously drive rents there as well. When you've mm. got property taxes jumping 10%, individual investors that have those rentals and those companies, when they're seeing their property taxes jump that much, that is obviously going to get passed along. They're not going to be able to just eat that 10% increase. So the unfortunate thing is, is that I don't see that dollar amount decreasing 
anytime soon with with you know because Toronto is going to prop up the numbers across Canada. So right. Removing Toronto from the numbers, you know, it's probably if you remove Vancouver and Toronto, the, that number is probably significantly less. But you know, those are the most populated cities, so it obviously may, it makes a big de- deal and, and is telling. So I, I think that ten percent increase in Toronto property tax is going to be tough on renters, not just the homeowners that are already seen their payments increase, but but those, I mean, I see it in Ottawa. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in Centertown. The the purpose built rentals that have gone up, the <laughs> the amount that they're asking or the the starting rents, most of them are are in the yeah in the the two thousand to twenty two hundred for a one bedroom. Yeah, well, it makes sense because can you explain? You know this better than you, I do, which is why I'm I'm asking you to explain it as a landlord. But what are the actual rulings on when you can increase rent? Because obviously, with the purpose built, you can start at whatever you want, right? So those are typically going to have higher rent associated with them. Obviously, being a newer build, newer amenities, etc. But for an existing unit, I buy it. There's a tenant in it now. They're paying. They've been there for you know 15 years. Like just at a very high level. Like what are the what are the when are the when are the the times that you can increase rent as a landlord? Yeah. So pre, if your build is pre 2018, then you can only increase once a year based on uh, a CPI like indi- like increase amount. So every year it's set based on where inflation is, et cetera, and it's a scaled down amount. But it's typically in like the one to three percent of of what you can increase rents. Like so, if a tenant is staying in your unit for an extended period of time and your build is pre twenty eighteen, then you can increase based on that that set percentage. And it's only once a year that you can increase it. When there's a turnover of a tenant, then you can you know set that rent to whatever you want for that. You know when you're marketing it again, and then for builds. Post 2018, you don't have you're not you're not constrained by that same restriction. With some of these purpose-built buildings and things like that, you know, when we talk about downtown, there's a program called an MLI Select program. It's uh, funded by CMHC. They have there's three components within it to get kind of longer amortization or favorable uh, insurance premiums, and it's mm. based on accessibility affordability or efficiency uh, or and or efficiency and so those three categories there's different met like different percent uh points in order to hit in order to get the the, you know the more favorable terms if you will and you can combine all three or you can focus on just one and there is for there is a an mli select construction program with cmhc as well so a lot of these builders are getting funding through that program and with that, they're having to maintain at least 30% of their building is a fort, like under their, under that median, they have like 30% of the building has to be at least, I think it's 20 or 30% below that median rental amount for that, that area. And so with that, they have to maintain it for at least 10 years and they sign that agreement with CMHC, et cetera. So a lot of these purpose built buildings that we're seeing, like I said, I'm in center town, there's, you know. Five just along Preston that have just gone up. They're all rentals. Those, I know the one at the end of Preston, Soho Italia, that one is under that program. But, you know, it's also based on the, you know, based on the rents of the entire area. Uh, when yeah. you've got rents, you know, that are at 2,200 uh, average or higher uh, in center town, then you're only having to maintain under that. So, you know, they are, it's a reasonable program. Like, but it's, there is ways in which it can be 
you know, manipulated, if you will, to either address affordability or if you're purpose built, you're hitting those energy efficient, energy efficiency metrics anyways, and you're not having to focus on affordability and you can still get those favorable terms. So I find a lot of builders aren't hitting the, aren't looking to hit the affordability as much uh, as they are the energy. And, Mm. and so it's not having as big an impact on rental amounts as I think they had intended to make the program. Right. That's great. That's a great yeah. summary. That was, I feel like people <laughs> always ask, people always ask that like, well, I'll probably just all the landlords just raising their, raising their rent all the year and getting people on the streets. But it's, you know, there are obviously safeguards in place that yeah. landlords. And, and I would say that, if you're, right? if you're, yeah. And if you're a tenant, if you're listening to this and you're a tenant, you know, and you aren't sure about what your rights as a, as a tenant are certainly speak to the landlord and tenant board, you know, find out what those rights are from, you know, f- from a, rate increase because I have heard from tenants where their landlord just, you know, were jacking up their rents arbitrarily on, you know, and, and they not able, you know, they shouldn't be able to, and that's because their payments increased. So it's it, the unfortunate part is it becomes like, you know, for mom and pop investors where their interest rates go up and their payments go up, you know, they can't afford to eat that, you know, three, four, five hundred dollar increase either from what they when they originally intended to get buy that property. And so they're, you know, trying to pass it along. If when they're not able to, that's when they've been having to sell those properties. And so that new person moving in is able to move out that tenant because they're going to be owner occupying that property. So it comes a little bit of a, you know, a snowball effect in some cases as well. Yeah. And we'll see like we're February now, but I think if we don't see a rate drop until you know, July, June, July, I think in the spring, we're going to see a lot more people selling just based on necessity, as we said, like they've been carrying it for, you know, a year and a half waiting for things to come down. And there will be a breaking point at some point, which I don't think we've fully seen. I think we're seeing it, as we said, on the retail side of things, but maybe not that, you know, that mortgage payments first, but when you can't make that first payment, then that's when, you know, people start shifting. And I think we may see if there's not relief sooner and later, we might see more of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Should we sign in the mood boost, David? I agree. Let's time. do it. We've been talking too much. Uh, yeah, we got <laughs> we got three today. Three today. A little snowstorm last night. So they're all kind of focused on stormy weather, you know? Number one, a storm blew away 20%, 25% of my roof last night. Oof. <laughs> Even Steven was delayed on that one. Is I think that, is that it? <laughs> Uh, number two, the recruiter told me the pay starts at 40,000, but can go up to 80,000 later. I decided to start later. Uh, <clears throat> if only it was that easy. <clears throat> and number three, I just crashed my Kia. Now I have a Nokia. Wow. I, I, I actually, I actually do like that one. Yeah. Nokia was awesome back in the day. They were when they had that bar phone, like the, the OG bar phone, I was telling my kids, that's that exactly my, what popped in my head. Was just like yeah, that yeah. one square Nokia. One hundred percent. My first cell phone didn't even have a, a full screen on it. It was just like it was a black and white screen that you could only punch in seven digits. It was before there was even an area code needed in Ottawa, so you couldn't mm-hmm. text calls only. I think I had forty minutes on my plan, like forty minutes a month, and it was like twenty bucks mm-hmm. or something. <laughs> Anyways, and only in local calls, obviously. all right well thank you everyone for tuning in today we'll be back next week on monday shows are released tuesday morning 10 a.m 
Thank you as always for listening. And if you haven't done so, make sure to go over to Faces Magazine. I think nominations end beginning of March. So we got a few weeks left. Mm. We were nominated for podcast of the year. And Greg and I are still doing our push-ups. We got a week left. Look at those guns. They're coming. They're coming. I got about, <laughs> I think I got 600 push-ups left roughly in our 2200. So we're getting there. We did 177 the other day and my shoulders are melting. So we're getting Good for there. for you. That is. <laughs> we're getting there. Now we'll put, the, we'll put the link in the chat. So if anyone wants to donate, it's for the Canadian Mental Health Association. Great, great cause. Great awareness to be created. And thank you as always for listening. We'll be back. Have a great week. Here's this. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe because we'd really like that.